Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. I've uh, got to go see an interesting movie. We we talked about this movie before, but I think it it I'd like to bring it back up because uh, you saw it and I didn't see it, but I I liked it and I thought we'd spend a little time on it. Um, American I've, Fiction. I've, you know, you I'm know, the talk opposite. About? Uh, I have the opposite situation where I watched a movie <laughs> that you had seen and talked about. But yeah, let's talk right. about American fiction. Yeah, yeah. I So um, it was one I'd seen trailers for and seemed mildly interesting, right? Like the trailers. Mm-hmm. And, and to be fair, the trailer did a good job of what it was supposed to do, I think. I mean, it told yeah. what it was. It didn't oversell it or undersell it. It kind of what it was. But when I went and watched the film, I I liked all about it and and also we talked when we talked about it and you kind of gave it a review and a little bit of discussion you kind of came the same way with like didn't say a lot it wasn't you were trying to spoil things you were just saying it just you gave a feeling like i felt good about this and couldn't tell why and that's kind of how i felt watching this and coming through with this is like how am i going to talk about this on the show so maybe i'll just dennis and i can double talk about it um some things i i want to start I, all that last two minutes to to lead up to say it's a film about a writer who is an African-American, a black guy, and he writes intelligent, really good. uh, What what am I, what word am I looking for here for? Like um, fiction? Yeah, it's fiction novels, but they're like not dumbed down novels. They're um, a lot of thought into them, really good quality type, you know, sure. character development stuff. He's got, he's a really good author, uh, has, but hasn't published in a while. And then, uh, he's the only people who want to buy from him. They want black quote unquote black books. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm a black guy and I'm writing a book. So by definition, it's a black book. He doesn't want to pander. That's the biggest thing. He doesn't want to right. pander. Um, and some things happen in his personal life that he decides to just be silly and write this, this silly book that's completely pandering. He's like, I'm just going to do it just for, for silliness, submit it just to show them all. And it becomes this huge success. And he writes it under a pen name and puts a, a fake, you know, persona with it mm-hmm. and makes tons and tons of money. Um, right. But is real annoyed the entire time and tries to step it up every time the, the absurdity of it. And it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. Um, but that's just the setup. I actually think the film is about like, I mean, it's almost like the point of the film. It's like, he says that, uh, at one point it, it's reductionism to boil down, uh, black life, uh, a black life or black people by saying that they're you know, you talk about cops and growing up in the ghetto and, you know, right. having issues, um, what, stereotypical issues. And it's, it feels mm. he, he uses the word reductive and it really frustrates him. And they even say stuff about he uses the word uh, the potential of the black people. And then another author responds to him. Potential means that you're not happy with where we are. Uh, and then the film itself, I think the meat of the film is actually showing that in a real way. Like he's kind of got these normal life problems with his mom who's who's getting old and senile. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler, something happens to his sister very early on and she's a very real person. They're very real. His brother is uh, just um, 
uh, came out of the closet as homosexual right. and had a divorce. And, and, it, and every one of those characters are just like, they're not like movie real. They're just normal real. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's what makes this film so good is that you're doing, you're dealing with this kind of story plot line of the author and this, this stuff, but then you're, you're given this actual example of what a, uh, a black person in America, one example of the millions and millions and millions of black people in America, their experience. And it's not just this other thing that we think of stereotypes. So I came out of the film thinking like, wow, what, what a great way to a vehicle to show the point of what they're trying to say by just showing it with the author and him not trying to tell us that he's just, we're just living through his life. You know, you know what I mean? That's, it's funny that you say that because this is a movie that I think I said this, our buddy Fox strongly recommended to me. He's like, I think Mm -hmm. you're going to love this. And, um, I hadn't really heard about it. The, the movie I had heard of about an author was, was Argyle, which, um, based on your um, <laughs> yeah. impression of last week, it's like okay, it's way not, worse than this one. This is way not, higher recommended. Yeah, not, not even close. And then, um, and then I saw the poster. It's all, you know, African Americans and or I shouldn't say African Americans, persons of color. Um, and I was like, uh, is this going to be because I watched the Watchmen series, um, which has a mostly black cast. And it's very political. And I was like, I don't know. Is this, you know, Fox is usually spot on, but I'm like, is this a thing? And then I watched the trailer and I'm like, okay, yeah, I have to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, And you messaged me after you had seen it and said, you know, that you you liked it. I forget what exactly you said. And I was trying to, I was thinking about our conversation last week um, or the week before. I guess it was two weeks ago um, where I talked about this movie and was trying to describe how it handles this sort of not political but but social message or issue or whatever you want to call it and uh, because it was in my mind, like you saying that made me think about the movie again. And I was messaging um, uh, our buddy Fox because he recommended it. And I'm like, see, see, Michael liked it too. Um, mm-hmm. And that got me thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, I figured out what it is. Like the one of the one of the bad examples I use frequently is is the Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier, where in um, What's his name? I'm completely. You mean Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Falcon? I said Hawkeye. It's wrong. Wrong bird. Superhero (laughs) name. Um, Wrong bird. Nice. I like that idea. uh, Falcon. (laughs) Well well said. Whose name I still can't remember. Anthony Mackie Um, or Mackie. But I I was looking for the characters. Not important. He gives that. He gives that whole speech near the end of the series. Um. It doesn't really say anything. It's just a lot of shaming. Yeah. And and do better. And I'm like, what right. is the point I know, of that? I know what, what speech you're like, talking about. Yes. Like, watch this guy talk for five straight minutes and he didn't say anything. And um, I think what American fiction accomplishes is the 
you know, well, well overused writer's adage of show don't tell. Yes. Well, I, as you were talking about, I was like, he's going to say that, isn't he? Good, good. You did say that. <laughs> well, and I and I bring that up because you literally used those words um, in in describing this movie just before I interrupted you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really like there's no it doesn't it doesn't offer a solution, which is the same as the as the Falcon thing, but also doesn't like. It doesn't it doesn't um, um, it doesn't seem like it's trying to shame anybody or any of that. It's just here. We're going to we're going to put this experience into a film and you're going to watch it happen. You're going to come away with it, come away from it with your own like reactions and interpretations and impressions, all those things. But we're just going to show it to you. Like, right. Here's here's the thing, and it's and it's exaggerated, right? Like films yeah, sure. are, you know, yeah. played up for for comedy and entertainment, um, which it does well. By the way, it doesn't do yeah. too much, but yeah. too little or too more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said that when we talked about it before. It's it's very, very absolutely. Funny. Yeah. Um, the the anyway, the thing ahead. with the, the the show the show don't tell is I, as the as the film started to to wind down and end. I I started to get this this feeling of like this almost the this is what I'm talking about. I, that's the phrase I wanted to say. Mm. Is oftentimes I'll say like I don't like tragedies or or movies that don't have they have nebulous endings or they don't really or they're preaching to you. I, I will I will say that so many times in so many films we watch. And I say those because I know when I've watched good films that do the same thing, but I they treat me like an intelligent audience member, right? And they don't sure. force something upon me or they don't do anything. And it just happens naturally because it's a good writing, good acting. And it's not like over the top crazy drama stuff. It's just in a written in a good way that when I walk away from it, I can be like, yeah, that didn't have an ending per se. This one kind of does, but not really. And I can still walk out of the theater and then I sit in the car and think for a minute. And mm-hmm. I feel better and I want to maybe watch it again, maybe not watch it again and to experience, to go through my thoughts. And I feel like I've learned something, not because they were teaching it to me, which they did, but because I had an opportunity to experience what was happening here in a way uh, that wasn't over the blown or something and just in a right way. So this is what I want in a, in a story that's teaching me a lesson or showing me something or illustrating something to me without overtly doing it. And they don't have to be crafty or whatever. Um, but it did, it just, it just showed me and without telling me, and that that was well said, Sam Wilson, by the way, is his name, the Falcon. Hmm. Um, and, and you're right. That was it. That was a really good example that you gave of him saying a speech and making a point of it. Um, and just, instead of just making it a natural thing, that this was when, when there's times in this film where the two brothers spend time together and it's not perfect in any way. It's um, there's a thing where the brother is kind of the younger brother is doing something in the pool. He shouldn't be. He's kind of making a mess and being a kind of, I'd say a jerk, but being a normal brother, whatever adult brother, it's kind of out of off his rocker a bit. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls his brother into the pool, and it's kind of funny that you would see as a funny 
movie joke thing, but the older brother is kind of annoyed and angry at it first, and then they kind of calm down, and it just felt like a real, actual evolution of what would happen in this, that scenario, interaction. And, sure. and interaction, and that relationship is formed not because he sat down and said, oh, my brother is this, and I feel about this, and I do this, and this is how it is. It just happens. And then he's out of the water, and he's talking. They're making little jokes with his girlfriend. And that relationship just happens. He's not mean to him, but he is kind of mean to him. But they're brothers, so they kind of take a little bit of barbs back and forth. And I'm like, man, this is very normal. And then when it goes to the other scene later, when he's talking about the book again, and how mm-hmm. how people want this black experience, they want this stories about you know, abusive parents or um, guns and drug violence with stuff like, yeah, but this also is black life in America that I just watched in the scene before that. And it's not just, I mean, while it's a normal brother relationship, it is also rooted in them being black as well. Not just, you know, their, their race is an important part of it. It's just such a really good, book or film uh, and I wish other people could watch it um, it's it's hard for me to tell you any more than that because it's just an experienced thing right mm-hmm. um, and, and it was I think the actors they weren't like this crazy overblown overacting thing they weren't saying incredible dialogue that was Shakespearean in its way although there's some things where the main character speaks eloquently yeah, uh, because well, he's, he's a learned a- character yeah, he's a writer. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago. It's it's significant. And I, I didn't even really connect it until, again, thinking about it again after I watched it and us talking about it now. I said when I talked about it a couple weeks ago that his family are all very accomplished, right? His yeah. siblings are both doctors. Right. Um, And so it's just driving home that this stereotypical kid from the ghetto spending a lot of time in jail and 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 getting in trouble with the police is completely foreign to his lived experience right and it's why he you know never had any desire to you know write fiction about that stereotype yeah and and some of the jokes are and I'll say it as a white man at the white person's expense, but don't let that sure. be a turnoff to you because when I'm watching it and the jokes, when they're landing, it's all this like, yeah, yeah, they're right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's totally right. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's true. They got us. That, that's totally true. Right. And, and it's, and it was because of that, you, that, that kind of absurdity with those jokes makes you feel like oh, this is, this is what they're talking about when they're like, you white, white people just don't get it. Or your white people are doing this and like, Oh yeah, I I can see it now, right? And they're making it it's overblown and jokey, but the, the what makes it jokey is that it's true. You know, and and for example, um oftentimes the 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 publishers will be like, "Oh my god, it's so real and it's so visceral and <laughs> and I want to hear from somebody who's actually a convict and he's on the run." And like that's so silly and stupid, but it's so freaking true. The, you know, the, the true crime novels will sell 12 million copies because of those reasons. And you're like, it's just a, a novel, novel about gang life or whatever. And those will sell like crazy. 
just and they will sell to white people and they even talk about you'll see uh book signing things and there's just a ton of older white women who are like standing up and cheering you're so brave you're so brave you know and everybody's like and you're you're seeing that from a perspective from this guy and he's just like oh my god this is ridiculous right and and you think that too you're like this is ridiculous sit back down but every single one of us knows people like that and they know that that is the number one booksellers that sell or movies and films and you're like man this this uh this this movie american fiction is doing the right thing and showing us the right stuff. And I, I liked it. I liked a lot about it. Um, I wish it get, would get more word of word of mouth and super thumbs up to it. Um, and I'm glad that you recommended it for the reasons that you did without saying too much, but there it is. A thumbs up American awesome. fiction. Go out and watch it. It's good. I'm glad you liked it. I hope it does well at the, um, it's nominated for some stuff. Oh, that's good. Uh, it's um, it's also and and to be fair, you know, I want I always say vote with your money, and I would like people to go out and, and and pay money at the theater for this. But it's not one that I say you have to watch in a theater. You could definitely watch this at home. It's a home. No, I mean even one. I think I told this whole story a couple of weeks ago. I had three movies that I was trying to decide between seeing. Um, what was the third? I don't remember Godzilla and this and one other movie that I've now forgotten. Uh, oh, oh, uh, poor things and poor things probably would have been a better, um, um, theater movie, but I sat down in the, in the theater cause I watched two in the same day and I messaged Fox and I said, I'm sitting down to watch American fiction. And he's like, I thought you said that was the one you didn't need to see in a theater. <laughs> it's like, true it's true yeah but of the three it's the one i'm the most excited about seeing right now like, <laughs> it's very, very true then, yeah and and then it came out it's already out on streaming um or it might, it might be like amazon rental or something oh okay like yeah. i saw like like less than a week later but i'm still glad i saw it in the theater it was also well well, well then sit down like six bucks yeah pe- people sit down and rent it from amazon it's i don't know what amazon rents it for but if it's like four or five bucks that's good. You rent it and sit down with your your partner and and have a good good night. It's also uh, the last thing I want to say is that maybe I'm kind of pressing that it's a little heavy. It's not, Dennis. You said this is me speaking to the listeners. Dennis said a couple weeks ago that it's got some jokes. It's got a lighthearted thing. It definitely keeps it above board from being too heavy. It's definitely got some like, oh my gosh, this is a serious parts. Um, and overall, it's a serious film. But it really does keep it lighthearted um, and yeah. doesn't drag you down into a tragedy, you know, I don't, too much. I don't remember which jokes anymore, but there were several. I mean, the whole interaction with the publishers over the phone. Um, Fantastic. Is is hilarious. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing out loud in the theater. There, there's there were one only, scene. There were like that, two other people in the theater because it was like three in the afternoon. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was back there. There's one that gave me a laugh out loud in the theater moment was, um, and I'm not going to say the whole part of it, but it's this. there's a scene when they are dumping ashes in the ocean and at their beach home <laughs> and, and, a, and a neighbor walks by and starts getting railing them for that. And they just like start railing on him. I'd laugh so hard, like real loud. Yeah. I couldn't stop myself. Uh, it was great. That was great. Okay. So ran into that one really quick. 
what else did you do this week, Dennis? I finally watched Oppenheimer. Oh, really? Oh, you watched? Okay. I, I yeah. wasn't prepared for this. Okay. What, um, what's as, your review of, of a home watching? Yeah. Uh, as, as I've mentioned before, um, when I, when I watch things uh, on my computer, I speed them up usually like one point. It's so weird. I still find that so weird, but I, the, the, I appreciate you. I mean, the, like the slider goes in the little increment. So it's like 1.08. It's less than 1.1. It's barely noticeable unless there's music. And even then it's, still not super noticeable um i don't usually do that with anime because anime is generally fast-paced enough especially reading subtitles um but for oppenheimer i did for um uh stepbrothers that we watched last week i did it all the way up at 1.25 because i started it like an hour before we were supposed to record and i'm like i gotta get through this as fast as i can plus it's that movie like it yeah, I could still get all the jokes at 1.25. Right. Um but I knew this one was 3 hours. Um I watched the first 2 thirds of it the first night and then watched the last hour the next day. Which is like a whole um, other movie, right? It's like a whole which is what everybody said. Like yeah. um but it's you true. mentioned that they brought it up on the Omnibus project recently and were like because they were talking about Einstein and they're like, "I don't know, the Einstein was a little you know, he was a little heavier than he maybe would have, but they're like, I don't know, at this point was he, th-? and then John was like, is that, that's what bothered you about Oppenheimer, not the <laughs> magic realism of the third act? And he's like, well, I didn't like that either, but you know. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very long. <laughs> it's <Sorry>. very long. <laughs> um, parts of it were very loud in a way that I'm sure was intentional, right? Christopher Nolan is not a, is not a rookie director here. Um, yeah, yeah. It really, yeah. The, the third act, I just was like, what, what is this? It's a whole different story. Robert Downey Jr. And all that stuff. And you know, that, that, that part of the story had been happening from the beginning, but you had no idea, which is maybe, classic uh nolan um time time what word am i looking for for this um has he's always has time to do something with yeah, time in not, his movies yeah. not always like he didn't do that in his batman movies but most of the time going back to memento and probably a, a couple earlier than that he likes to do weird things with pacing and time um yes rarely right. quite as weird as well quite as effectively weird as memento um which was you know fantastic and and novel and groundbreaking um uh not interstellar what's it called inception Inception, um sure inception does it but with kind of a gimmick um because i think in reality you don't dream faster or slower than time you <laughs> yeah, just yeah, remember a little bit and it's right you know you'd sleep for eight hours so it's the whole so the whole premise of like the time gets slower the more levels of dreams they go into is absurd but right. absurd is too strong a word but um goofy shall we say yeah. um and then a movie like dunkirk that has no good reason for running the stories at different paces and jumping back and forth especially when all the characters look the same yeah. um 
to just make the movie more confusing. Maybe in a theater it would have been better, you know, uh, given your full attention. Um, this movie maybe did that, but I also, I don't know, maybe by the end you're supposed to have, fi- I mean, just like with Memento, you're supposed to have figured out, like, which was the color sequence and which was the black and white sequence. Um, sure. And I, and I guess that's clear. It's not, you know, there's nothing ambiguous about it at the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe just telling the second act was too boring for Christopher Nolan. Sure. Um, yeah. And had to include all of this weird stuff because like, it is two stories, right? Like the story of how he and his team developed the atomic bomb yep, is one yep. story. Correct. And the story of how the director of the AC uh, or whatever, like tried to discredit him to advance his own political career. And then, you know, got, got his comeuppance, whatever is another story. Like it's a yeah. different and, you know, I sort of get it. Like, people will go to see the first story and are not going to go to the theater to see the second story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sure, you put them, put them both in the same um, in the same movie. And it didn't... I don't know that it ever felt draggy. Like, you could... It definitely could have been a two-hour movie, but I think you would have to cut that second story you'd cut maybe one of the, the two stories right yeah maybe the middle story there's not enough you know it, uh, like film worthy that happens in the in the in the middle in the second act story the historic the you know the wartime story maybe there's not enough there to make a whole movie um because when you include all the stuff at the beginning that's almost more screen time devoted to the robert dunn jr story than um than just the wartime story yeah. but um yeah i don't know that was i i, I think that was weird i i think that uh it's funny cuz that that second half the second half with robert downey jr which and he's in it most the whole t- time but that second half half when he really becomes a thing is where it gets all of its like big awards right it's where people talk about it the most it has the most um controversies and not real life controversies, but like in, in, in film controversies and drama stuff. When that first half is interesting and they, they deal with the communist party and things like that, but just a little bit, it's kind of like the first half is, or the first two thirds, which is two hours is setting up for that other half. But the first two hours is kind of why we went to go watch the film in the first place. Right. Like we went to go see right. about the atomic bomb and his creation of it and then yeah. his deploying it. And that, that all yeah. happens. And, and then we switch to a really, movie number two. Yeah. And and in reality, the the wartime story of developing the bomb is not really that interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I think maybe that might have been the case was that overall it was like, that's not really the story we want to tell here. We want to tell a story about, you know, the... the um, uh, oh, what's the guy um, in the fifties where they were blacklisting people uh, for communism? McCarthyism. You know, they they want that's mm-hmm. the kind of the story they wanted to tell with this, but they also knew that 
selling the atomic bomb would sell tickets, maybe, to the theater. I don't know. But how, how would you come down on this film? I can say, just listening to you tell me about it, I'm glad that I watched it. Again, I'm still now, at this point, I'm glad that I watched it. But I definitely don't want to watch it again. Like, I can't even imagine a time where I'd want to put it on the TV. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. it wasn't bad. Like it was. It wasn't bad. No, it was In good. It was. It was well made, um, and not. It wasn't like a Schindler's List where I walked away from it like really emotionally affected. I mean, maybe right. because like the big impact of dropping the bombs happens at the two hour mark, and then yeah. you have an hour of this communism communist trial. Um, and so, like, that, you know, sort of, dis- you know, um, uh, yeah, distances you from, you know, the actual big questions of, like, you know, was was that the right thing to do? Um, yeah. You know, all the all the context of the time and it's really easy to look back on it and say you know that was a horrible horrible thing but you know given the information they had at the time and all that like like that's the really heavy like thing that you probably wouldn't i mean you might see in a movie but not a movie that people are going to go see yeah Um, and and, it's too um nebulous or yeah wrong word you know what i mean yeah not not it's not sensational for 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 sure but and and also and i don't mean to knock it on this because we've moved it we're beyond that time now and it's whatever but it also the actual like big thing people want to see isn't that big right like it they show the explosion when he tests it for the first time and that's tense Mm -hmm. it's even more tense in the theater with the big huge sound and that constant uh discord tones and it's really big around you so that that really is huge i I can't imagine seeing that in the theater like you know here watching in the camper i can just turn it down right when it yeah it's it's just this type discordant uh um sound effect but yeah so you're really trapped with that kind of thing so which is what they want right and so it's tense and it goes off but we all do know that it the atmosphere doesn't ignite and the earth doesn't end. Right. 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 Uh, so, and we've all seen pictures of what, or film that they recorded of the atomic bomb when they first exploded it. So we know kind of what to expect. And we're just looking at this and they do a good job of the cinematic representation, but it's really not that big of a part of the film at all. And a spoiler, I guess for this thing, they don't really show, they don't show at all the Hiroshima or Nagasaki explosions. No. Right. They don't show them actually doing it. And that's kind of a thing, too. They're just, like, letting you know that the people who actually sent it off never got to see it. They just had to wait on the, and listen from the TV like the rest of us. Um, they, so, yeah, didn't didn't see it and had, you know, very little knowledge or awareness of what was happening when. Yeah. Because, because everything was so um, locked down because of the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's like it was back then. And they were trying to give us that thing. And they did. But because of that, if you were there to watch, you know, big nuclear explosions on the big screen, you're going to be disappointed, except for that one scene when they test. And that's it. 
Um, the rest of it is three hours of of this long, high dense kind of film. So, but yeah, I know we can't come back to that a little late, but it's interesting to hear you watch it on a small screen and and have that kind of thing. I I think I would also recommend watching it at one point two five at least <laughs> to to go through <laughs> some of that stuff. Um, yeah, cool. So that's Oppenheimer. I'm, I really it's cool that that you got to watch that one. Uh, yeah, I had. Right. I mean, I'm. I said this. This was off the air, but I'm. I'm back at the park um, that I was at just after the holidays. Um, near, I say near Lake Havasu, but it's, Lake Havasu is over an hour and a half from here, mm-hmm. and um, kind of to the north. And the California border is almost almost an hour west. And Phoenix is like an hour, hour and a half east. And I think Yuma is like two or three hours south, south and west of here. And all of which to say, I'm in the desert and there's nothing, nothing at all. There's one little convenience store and one little restaurant and bar in this. I'm not even in the town, outside the town. And I think the town has some like a, a... couple of gas stations but there's no fast food there's no proper grocery store just like convenience stores and nothing nothing of interest like tourist things to see for at least an hour away i was like well maybe i'll go to lake havasu because they've got like one of the previous london bridges some guy some some eccentric millionaire like bought all the stone and shipped it over here to rebuild it at like slightly reduced scale i think it's mostly a facade um in in lake havasu and i'm like some of that stuff might be interesting to go see depending on how far and then i look on the map and it's over an hour and a half away like i'm not gonna drive all that way to see the old london bridge like right if, if it were an hour or 40 minutes preferably like maybe um all that to say i didn't go anywhere this whole weekend and so I was like, what can I do? Well, I've got this queue of movies that I kind of want to see, but haven't been um, itching to see. And as I mentioned last week, I already watched our weekly movie last week. Or oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you get an extra time, right? Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't have to watch a movie for the show. Um, right. Well, maybe I'll finally watch Oppenheimer. So that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, that's a good good time to do that. What... Um... Okay, what what do we've got? What have we got for the thing today? We had uh, you want to watch our talk about it? speaking of that. So you mentioned the show. Do you want to uh, move into our Ocean's Thirteen conversation? Sure. All right. This week we watched Ocean's Thirteen from two thousand seven. This is the third in the rebooted Ocean's Eleven franchise um correct there was only as far as i know there was only one original movie with the rat pack um it's with george clooney and brad pitt and those yeah george clooney brad pitt matt damon Elliot gould um this one has al pacino um we've also got don Cheadle, casey affleck um carl reiner lots lots of people lots of people all the 
pretty much everybody from the original, from Ocean's Eleven. I shouldn't say the original because mm-hmm. it was a remake. Um, minus Julia Roberts. And... Which was good, I think. I mean, she was fine in the first one, but unnecessary yeah. in the second one. Yeah, I don't know where she is in the story. I don't remember what happened to her in 12. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think they have all the original team, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Because even though it's Ocean's Eleven, and they have 11 of them, s- several of them are more significant characters than the others right Um, so this one i i am surprised to say i hadn't actually seen before i can't believe it because this is i love these kind of films um and these are like oceans 11 the original and this one Mm -hmm. are kind of like the bar when it comes to heist movies so sure i think what it was is that the second one was just so like eh, it's it's fine but I don't need to see more that I just didn't see more and I didn't see him going anywhere, but down. Cause I mean, it's, you know. it's understandable that after oceans 12, you would pass on 13 without, without seeing it. Like, cause, cause 12 was so absurd. Um, yeah. And they that, kind of finished it and they, it had a clear finishing thing. Uh, so, but I, that being said, I actually like this. Um, it wasn't groundbreaking. There wasn't. There was some twists, but one one of the things that makes the Ocean Eleven film, original and reboot, uh, great is that it's a heist film and heist in in the classic sense. It has all the setup and pieces to it, but it also does some big twists. Like, oh my god, they totally failed in this thing, but they actually had a backup plan to their backup plan. And here's their backup plan. They're thinking like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't, it was there all along and I just didn't notice it. Uh, this did not have that. Uh, it, a little bit, it did for little pieces here and there, but nothing like the, the original did. So in that vein, it wasn't stellar, like, oh, they did it again. But it also was not Ocean's 12, where it was like, that was fine. Right. I thought this was fun. Right. I had fun watching it. And I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed what they did. And I liked the heist. And a couple years a ago. Cool ending. Yeah. A couple years ago, when I was watching um, Brandon Sanderson's uh, writing lectures that he put on YouTube um, from yeah. BYU, he did a whole a whole lecture on heists and he divides heists into the oceans 11 type and the italian job type Um, the italian job type he says is where because they'll start with the same uh ingredients right you have you have a job and you need a team and so you know that's always what they do like explain the job get the tension show the stakes build the team just you know show how each of the team members is important what their what their skill is each each of them comes to the team for a specific skill or because of yep. a specific skill and in the um italian job model or style um things go wrong because things have to go wrong um everything falls apart and they end up improvising and using their skills in ways that were not part of the plan, right? They they 
change the plan to something else and use their skills in different ways and they win that way um where in oceans 11 um they use the skills they use their skills the way that it's planned but the audience doesn't know the real plan right and so it's this balance of like how much can you tell the audience is the audience in on the plan or are they not and how it affects like how you do the foreshadowing and reveal the twist and and all this kind of stuff um i had a hard time with the first half two-thirds of 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 13 because it felt all over the place like it was just like and it's it's maybe you know just a here's a franchise everybody knows everything you know the audience knows everything already um you know like watching infinity war you don't have to introduce or explain any of the characters like we know who all these people are and what their skills are and so they're just um you know they're gonna do this and this goes wrong and then they do this while they're doing this and this guy's gonna and it was just like it was like that gif of uh of what's his name from always sunny with the crazy wall and the red yarn (laughs) post yeah it's like just a tangled mess and then but then i don't know once they get to the actual um the actual job right which is the same sort of pacing that that oceans 11 had um it starts to coalesce a little better um i do think it had issues of um um what's the word i'm looking for not pacing um but like time just the way that time was handled like okay. between a couple scenes the a couple of the the characters the brothers um go back yes. and forth to mexico and like start and resolve a union strike like all in the course of it's like oh we need this or they need a new drill for the one that dug the english channel and as soon as they get andy garcia to loan him the money in the next scene they have it i'm like where was that drill was it in france was it somewhere nearby where they could just buy it for (laughs) yeah the whole drill million or or whatever and it's just like here it's resolved we're moving on yeah um well that's that that what you're saying there is is my critique of the film and when i say it's not as good as 11 but i don't want to say it's bad is that they just to to add on to your thing they just have too many people and oceans yeah. 11 has a lot of people in it there's True. 11 people right mm-hmm. um and that's a lot to to deal with and they and in the original film it's required for all the things that they're doing that's why they do the job it's very important this one and this one it feels like they're making up jobs for them to have because they Mm -hmm. have 11 people yeah right um or 13 or whatever their their final number is um and the brothers was a perfect example that you mentioned that the two characters that their whole plot line in the whole film was to rig dice to make dice from the plant you know be yeah. be moved like that's their whole thing so they're like well we got to give them more than just that let's make it uh there's a union strike and then we'll send a, like that was just a whole extra thing that they didn't need 
but you had to kind of justify that. Same thing with Matt Damon's thing. Like they put the Matt Damon and um, it's not Al Pacino. It's the other guy. It's the Andrew Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. Like their their part, they didn't need that in there at all. But we needed something for Linus to do, and we needed something for the other guy to do. You know, Andy Garcia. Yeah, or like, the whole. I I don't know if I ever understood what Bernie Mac was doing with the dominoes. Right, the, the, with the dominoes like, to get the dominoes with with him on the floor, and then it's the classic heist thing where like they're rigging. You know, Livingston is rigging the machines, but he can't do it, and then he gets caught, and they swap, and you're like, okay, that's the that's the first movie thing where it's you know they think they think it went wrong but it's actually that this was part of the plan the whole time yeah um, and, and that that's neat because it gives you a little twisty that that's a little sure. bit of the twisty thing yeah but but yeah it it just felt like they were adding all this extra stuff that they didn't need to do and and i know they justified it by well we have to do all these games and rig them all to hit it this one time and take him for all his money but they were really really stretching reasons to do this stuff Mm-hmm. that they didn't feel like they need to do, but they were only doing it for for those people. And and they're all cool. Like, the brothers, they were fun. It was enjoyable. I love their whole Mexico, you know, shenanigans sure. they were sure. doing there. That was that was fun. And um, the FBI thing with that guy that, that, you know, had to replace machines, that was fun. Bernie Mac, cool, fun. They, they were all good because these are cool guys, right? That's why they're in this film. Right. right. And, and I enjoy watching them on the screen. It's just that they were there just to kind of be on the screen and give them their own little part in a movie. So, yeah. Uh, I guess I, I come out of this and say, if you like Ocean's Eleven because of the cast and the coolness of the cast, then Ocean's Thirteen's for you. It's totally, like, works. Um, but it's, if the story and the plot and the twist and the whole, like, main thing of the story and the, how they did it, is interesting. This one will be will leave you feeling like it was just okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't absurd, but it wasn't it was just okay, except for the maybe the drill earthquake thing. Um but that's where I came down on it. It's I enjoyed watching it. Did not feel like I wasted my time. I'm glad I watched it cuz I missed, you know, I think it's better than 12. Um and I like these these cool characters. But yeah. It's mid, I'd say. <laughs> And, and you were the same way, you think? Yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, definitely better than 12. Uh, nowhere near better than 8 as, as well. Nowhere near as good as 11. Um, 8 is too fuzzy in my memory to even compare. Um, yeah. But but probably better than 8. Yeah, um, eight, 8 was trying real hard to do all the things. And it was like, felt yeah. like a try-hard film. Right, right. Um yeah, and it was as I said last week. It was interesting to see, um, you know, the the helicopter shots of Vegas and stuff after being there. Oh yeah, you'd, you'd say that. Yeah, right. Um, and when they when they pull off the heist and you see all the all the numbers, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good because, you know, based on my experience, all you do is lose uh, money. And they even they <laughs> even joke that when uh, when um, uh, Al Pacino offers him because there's a whole thing with the high rollers like they're just following uh, George Clooney around um, I don't remember why that was a thing yeah, I, but I never understood that reason too he's just friends with them maybe he's, they don't like, really he's say. like he'll you know if, if you bring them back I'll I'll give you 10% of what they lose 
And I'm like, that's a, that's telling right there. Um, yeah. To just, you know, the house always wins. Um, it, yeah. It, it, it always wins. And, yeah. and, uh, have, having been in Vegas, as you said, it was very much, I, my experience obviously was your experience is that it's just all lost. There is no winning, but, um, watching a film like this did give me a little bit different perspective having been to Vegas that like, yeah, no one there's winning. Even the high rollers aren't winning. And right. there was even a mention where he says they're all going to lose, but they, they mark it off as being comped their comps or what hmm. do it for them. Like they get villas and they get right, you know, free food and drinks and yeah. And girls and whatever they want. So I'm like, uh, I, I get that if you're, you're a rich person in Vegas, but all having been there watching, watching ocean, the oceans movies where they just are really mainly showing the rich people, like 90% of the actual casinos are just slot machines. And for the, the normal people, when I was there, they have all of the craps machines and the blackjack or I mean, sorry, craps tables and blackjack and things like that. But they're not always filled. Slot machines always have tons of people at them. Sure. Right. Or, yeah. or at least well, there there's stuff. That's that's just percentage, right? There are many, Correct. many fewer people who can afford to play at the high rollers tables. And yeah, games. yeah, or just normal tables. So, so when you when you see, I see these Vegas films and they're like showing craps and there's always twelve people around the craps table and they're all playing and all like that's I didn't see a ton of that when I was in Vegas. It's the, it happens and it's sure. there. Like almost every night, but it's like one or two tables per casino. It's not like all of them or every table is full of people all over the place, right. unless it's a big weekend or something. But uh, yeah. the the films make it sound, look like it's a it's a constant, you know, thing. I, I don't know. It's just different. But yeah. anyway, it might be uh, we got in January too. Yeah, that that's very true too. Uh, okay. So next week we are, I, you know what? I didn't even pick it. I guess it's my, my turn to pick, uh, this time and I should pick from your list because that was off my list. Uh, what do I, what do we got here, Dennis, that I want to watch off your list? Um, you know, our listeners get very rarely get a, a peek behind the curtain of what we have on our lists. Um, so <laughs> I, don't I get think to it's that rare. <laughs> I get uh, what what does Dennis have here he's got Clueless okay he's a show called Bronson it's all over the place Dennis Better Off mm-hmm. Dead all the way down to Cable Guy and Waterboy Remains of the Day man you got you're all over the place here yep um you shoot what do I want to watch next? I'm going to be busy oh man can let's watch Mystery Men okay. I've not seen it I've not seen it before I saw and it people once t- years ago it's one okay. of those um, kind of goofy comedies. I, I, that's what I've I've heard, and people. It's it was people when I were in high school liked it. That's how kind of old it is, mm. um, and talked about it a lot. And I, I think I missed it. You know, we as you and I have said multiple times since we started this podcast, you just can't consume everything, and sometimes you miss things. Right. I think Mystery Man is one of those things. So yeah, let's let's watch that one. And it's comedy, so yeah. I, I dig that one. It's from 99, so I don't think you heard about it in high school. Oh. Was there something else with Mystery Man? Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong the wrong film. It could have been college, but I don't um, know. But, yeah, I mean, in even even in 99, like, if you missed a movie, it was kind of hard to, to, you know, to find it. I mean, obviously, you could go rent it, whatever. But 
um, unless somebody told you about it, like it was not. Um, yeah, ninety nine is the year the Phantom Menace came out. So if you want to put yourself in in the world of Phantom Menace, if if you're a listener that's that's too young for ninety nine, then then I understand. But for those of us who are older, there wasn't like a lot of internet happening all over the place and cell phones and things like that to just pick up and watch. Heck, Netflix wasn't even a thing. So no, there was at that point there was probably disc Netflix was maybe brand new. Um, maybe or pretty close there was definitely no streaming streaming didn't start until uh, I want to say like 2008 um, yeah when when Netflix started streaming and it was still really hard to use like you had to go on the website where you would make your queue which that you know Netflix doesn't even have a queue anymore but um, uh, it's got my list. But no, it's not the same yeah, thing. <laughs> it, it used to have a queue where, like, uh, Gamefly still works this way. As, and I right. assume Gamefly still rents physical discs. You would make a queue, and you're like, this is the movie I want first, but if that's not available, send, you know, number two and on down the list. Yeah. You had a digital queue you would put streaming movies into, and then you could go open Netflix on your game console or whatever um, it ran on. Uh, they had it on the Wii, but you had to have a disc. There was like the soft because I don't. Uh, maybe it had a download. Like you could download the Netflix app, um, but it didn't have any browsing or anything. It would just show you the movies in your digital queue, and you could watch those. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we uh, anyway. we, we we forget often, especially with with streaming availability now. The something like um, uh, this these film. Um, is mystery men if we didn't see it in theater you have to like pay extra to get a cable channel like hbo or cinemax or showtime and hope that they show it right yeah or you or you had to know about it somebody tell you about it and go to the blockbuster or whatever and rent it right and rent it specifically right especially ones that aren't um, and it's different movie ha- movie habits are different than like right now we can watch a, f- a film anytime we want. I can be bored and I'll turn right. on a film and I'm, Hey, we haven't watched battlefield earth. That's a silly movie. I'll watch that one and turn, turn it on. It's like at your fingertips on demand, but you would get your Netflix movie. Uh, let's say it's mystery men and you'd have the DVD and then you're all going to watch it Saturday night and you sit and make a kind of a thing about it, about watching that film. Um, it's not yeah. like you just you, pick up any random thing you want. You're, it's you, intentional. You, you really had to plan. The like the most, the most spontaneous you could be is like you. I mean, and I used to do this. If you're by yourself, you just go. But if you, you know, if you're more than one person, one or more of you has to go together to the video store and walk around and pick something that you're all gonna watch. I mean, it's just like people do now in a group flip through netflix and prime and try to decide but they what do they it watch. instantly and it's right there and start watching it but right? it's instant and then you can you know you can get 20 minutes into a film and decide somebody doesn't like it and stop and start something else and obviously you could do that if you had a collection of of dvds but if it was something new you'd go to the store and you'd rent it and that was your whole like you had to plan your whole um night around that and maybe you're at the video store and you say well i don't i don't know about about this the cover looks weird or whatever and you rent something else and then that's 
you know, that's your night. You can't, you can't change your mind. Well, it's, uh, it's often you're, yeah. you're half a month too, because you know, people are like, Oh, let's go, let's go rent a blockbuster film. We're, we're, we're reminiscing here for the, the young people who <laughs> haven't gone through this. It's that you would all the, watch all the Gen Z's in our audience, right? You would watch this. You all go, or you just take a trip over to blockbuster or family video, or whatever it might be local to you, get, get a film. You're all going to watch it Saturday, you and your partner or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And, uh, your friends, you're going to sit down and watch this film. And then like next weekend comes, you're like, Oh, you want to do, we're going to go rent a movie. No, we did that last week. Mm. Right. You don't want, we are going to do it again. Right. You do something different. So you don't really get another new film except like twice a month. It kind of, some people were more cinephiles and they would do things, but for the most part, you know, you would you would get one or two a month to watch. So things like Mystery Men, which are the niche genre of films, you don't you just didn't watch unless you intentionally wanted to watch those and people watch them. Well, and so, the, yeah, and there's the and there's the social dynamic of it too. Where like if you've got right. somebody, you know, one person you got a group of four people, and one really wants to watch Braveheart, then right you know you're like uh do i do i care enough about seeing this mystery man movie to to you know fight you know fight like quote unquote fight well like, it's it's taking a chance right you, you don't know if mystery man's yeah. going to be good but take, braveheart take everyone's seen on this or or you go to somebody's house and they've and, and they've already gotten the movie right like Correct. oh so and so is going to family video and they're going to they're going to pick something up or we're going to watch this it's already decided like you can't there's no like taking a vote or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. It's just a different world that, that we had. So, uh, when you know that we have this great podcast that you and I have now, that we have the opportunity to go back and watch some of those things that just we may w- w- love to watch, but haven't to ever. So, Mystery Man, I think, is something that feels like would have fit in my wheelhouse, but clearly missed out. Yeah, it's been um, a long time since I watched it. I think you'll like it. I think it's kind of campy and goofy, but. Um, yeah, I'm in the mood yeah. for Campy Goofy. Sure. Uh, okay, so some things I've done this week. I got one I got to talk to you about, uh, but I'm going to lead into it with another thing. Games. Okay. I'm playing Super Mario Wonder on the Switch. Um, okay. I, I rented it from, or rented it, I guess, from the library, which is, by the way, listeners, if uh, you're in America, at least, we have a fantastic library system in most states. Go to the go to your local library. They actually have movies and video games that you can check out. Brand new ones. Uh, fortunately, here in, in Bloomington, Indiana, we have uh, brand new releases that you can often get, including Super Mario Wonder. Uh, new game out. It's only been about a month or so. And uh, I got it into the library and started playing it. And I absolutely love it. It's very classic Mario, um, but with some, some new change. I am just so... Mario is what, like? 30, 40 years old now or whatever it is, something uh, long. And he's got so many games. I'm always impressed that they always come up with new little mechanics or interesting little things that are just interesting is the right word. And for a Mario game, that's not too much, not too little. and just fits right in a Mario game. And I'm playing this and I'm like, wow, how can they continue to come up with these little ideas? <laughs> and then, and they're just silly. One, one I'm like a, a costume where, it's a drill costume and you, you get it like much way you get like a fire flower. Right. And mm-hmm. when you jump and press down, they like dig into the ground or you jump into the ceiling and you, you now you got to attach the ceiling and you can 
run along the ceiling. I'm like, it's just a silly little thing. Or you turn into an elephant and the elephant can walk in the water and get water in their trunk. And then what's that good for? Well, you can shoot water at little plants and they'll grow little vines that you can walk up to. I'm like, that's really a neat little mechanic. And there's just, it's a, it's a classic Mario type fun, cutesy thing and used to good effect, but not too much because they're still playing, you know, making this game for young kids and experienced people. Uh, And Super Mario Wonder does a really good job of striking that balance between not difficult, but they've got some levels that are really difficult if you want, but not required to play the main game. And things that they've got little star rating. Like this this level is a two star. This one's a four star, a red. Be careful. And you don't have to go through those difficult things. When I played Super Mario as a kid, you would often get stuck. You couldn't make it past World 4-2, for example. It just got too difficult. Right. Or you play Super Mario 3. It got too hard around the ice world or something. They have just, through years of experience, made games where you can bypass some of the hard things if you're not still good and still get the game. And Super Mario Wonder just does wonderful things with that. It's a classic Bowser's the bad guy. You know, go save them. You get to play the different characters. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, if you like classic Mario Brothers, this or new Super Mario Bros., what sometimes they'll call the series, Super Mario Wonder is definitely up your alley. Super thumbs up. But that is leading into the thing I want to talk to you about, Dennis. There, it's Nintendo. And there's this new game that's been released in the last month called Pal World. Have you heard of this? Pal World? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. What have you heard about Pal World? And I'll say what I've heard about Pal World. I have not played the game, and I just watched a video today. But I've heard news things about it and read th- news things about it. What, what is Pal World, what you've heard? Um, what I know about Pal World from memes and TikTok. And <laughs> I, I did... I did uh, That's fair. I'm laughing because it's true. Not, I, you know. I did find the Steam page and look into it. I decided I was not interested enough to... Um, fire up my Windows laptop, so I've not mm-hmm. tried it or bought it. Or but it's getting whatever. a lot of buzz right now. It's getting a lot of buzz. Um, it appears to be Pokemon with guns, where you can. I don't know if the the Pokemon can, uh, if the pals can wield guns, or if you just shove them in bazookas and shoot them at the other pals, or whatever and it and it seems to be about as close as they can get to copying a bunch of pokemon names and and monster aesthetics uh without actually getting sued by uh by game freak now now you're totally right i i think that's one i think that's hilarious right like that they're they're doing that before we get into the conversation of actually what we think of this i want to say that what i've seen of the game and watch videos and, and read things about uh, it's it's kind of an it's a 3D world. So when you say it's Pokemon, I want to kind of clarify for our listeners who don't know what this is. It's not your classic Pokemon Diamond, Pokemon Silver, where it's this top down three dimensional, I mean two dimensional game where you go around and get random encounters and level up your Pokemon. Is on, that still you know, how Because I've seen them in 3D. Maybe it's not. Maybe. Maybe. I've not. Granted, that's fair. I have not played a Pokemon game like on the Switch or or even in the last generation too much. Um, But a lot of the handhelds are are very much. But this is 
walking around in like an MMO type world, right? Mm-hmm. And they're living in this open, free roaming world and you do get them and, and train them and build your city and stuff like that. So it's kind of like what people, what I've been reading about reviews and stuff, it's pe- what people want Pokemon to be. That's that's the real draw here okay. is that it's, Pokemon is, is it made a genre-defining game and everybody likes the po- the pokemon their actual little characters they like the 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 cartoon and then this is the game and then they've not as many i'm going to stereotype here Dennis many japanese games uh do is they don't once they make something they just iterate it over iterate it over iterate it i'm going to say final fantasy for example and only very small small changes will they make along the way but nothing sweeping and big and pokemon has been basically the same kind of game for the last 20 years. Now, yes, people are yelling at me. It's not the same. This one had this improvement. This changed. Yes, you're right. But it's I, still... I, I, I am going to stop you for a minute before we yeah. get an email about that. Because you did just spend like 10 solid minutes praising Mario. Uh, which is also... Oh, yes. For, for being what it was. Yes. <laughs> right. No, just, that's that's fair. But no, uh, that that is... I mean... Yeah, I'm not um, knocking. You know, I'm not knocking Pokemon for it. I'm just saying Pokemon this Go is was what... a was a cultural sensation, and one of the things I've heard several times is that you know, may you know there must there must still be enough of an audience who who likes this thing. But every time I've tried to play a classic Pokemon game, um, it's just so much of a grind. And what I've heard is that the new games are the same way. Like maybe that's what their audience wants but they're not bringing in enough new people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that is a common complaint I've heard leveled against Pokemon that um, yeah. the the basic loop of the game has not changed in whatever 30 plus years. And, and that's fair to say about Mario too, that, that you know, that, that it hasn't, or, or some people say that it has, because I think that like Mario Sunshine and when they went into Mario Galaxy really did change and break break free from some of the stuff but then modern games like mario wonder have brought it back um but pal world is kind of it's broken free from the restrictions of being nintendo being like that it's a young kids only game it still has kind of that aesthetic but you know they actually the guy burns and catches fire and things like that when when pokemon's like oh i just got a little hurt you know type stuff they fainted they fainted yes stuff like that um like maybe a character in power world might actually die instead of you know um or bleed or things like that type stuff so it's not an adult game in that way it's not gears of war or something um but unshackled from the uh 12 year old demographic it's you know it can do different stuff uh which is interesting it's kind of like the uh my my take on this is what people like to say about copyright laws like hey if we just didn't have copyright laws we could take mickey mouse and do all sorts of cool things with him i've got great stories i can tell with this character that's totally unshackled from the corporate structure right um or or uh, a Hunger Games. I, I'd love to write a ton of stories about different characters in the Hunger Games, but I can't because it's all shackled to money or Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Pal World seems to be trying. It's very close to take Pokemon and do it in a different direction. How do you feel about the fact that they're they're not they're they're being very overt about it? Like 
there's a like a Squirtle clone that's called like Water Earl or something like that. How, do you think that's too much that it's not cool or that's okay to do? How, what's your personal opinion on that? Um, like if it, if I, they had not come out with these characters, like there's a guy that looks like a, a Pikachu, but a little bit different, and they're clearly getting press because of those clone almost things. And if they would have just put this game out with totally unknown looking things, it may not be getting the users. Is that fair? I mean, I think when you're talking about a game, it it comes down to the game, right? Like, there are a ton of Chinese games that rip off Mario and Warcraft characters and and whatever, and nobody cares because, you know, they're, they don't really reach outside of China. Um, but if the, like, it wouldn't, um, like, it might, it might go viral, right? It might be a meme on TikTok for a couple weeks, but if the game is not good or at least satisfying and enjoyable for the people who are playing it um you know wouldn't it wouldn't last yeah Um, and so i don't i don't because i'm so like removed from the ip i don't have any strong personal feelings about it um i mean as far as whether or not they went too far making things too similar you know i assume that that will go to you know lawyers right whether yeah, it's, right. it's actual thing like that'll that'll shake out and, and be resolved um and i i don't really in this specific instance i don't i don't really have any strong feelings about it one way okay how about i twist it a little bit to something that you actually do have like some kind of idea of the ip what if and there have been examples of this people say man world of warcraft is fantastic but it's 20 some years old and or was it 15 i can't remember what it is now um and and like it's so old and and they it would be so great to be able to have a new game where you can do all these other kind of things with it and i've got great mechanics that i'd love to try and do these different characters. Maybe you can play as heroes, you know, classic heroes and things like that. Um, but they can't do it because it's owned by Blizzard. But then someone comes out and changes Archimon to uh, Archidude, right? And then makes him have a different headdress. And then now you can actually play as him in a World of Warcraft type game. And then now you can, you know do different kind of mechanics. And for example, in the Pokemon, you can maybe ride the Pokemon around and have them around with you instead of just in your Pokeball in most of the games, right? It's like someone took a game and then they said, I wish we could, they're just not innovating and I want to innovate. So if it was World of Warcraft and someone came out with a game called War World of Fighting Craft, and then it had knockoffs, but really fun and exciting things you always wanted to see happen in Warcraft. That'd be exciting, right? Like you'd kind of be tempted to want to play it, at least. Yes? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, with a game, I, I'm more interested in the game and the game. Yeah, play. yeah, exactly. Right. It, it, um, it has to still be fun, of course. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think our, um, our copyright laws and and terms and things are excessive. Um, I I believe, and I I think this is accurate, but I've not you know, done a bunch of reading on it. Uh, it's my understanding that Disney lobbied um, to make those changes to keep Mickey Mouse copyrighted. Yes, for, yes. they for were very so, heavily involved in that. For yes. so and long. I'm a big Disney fan, yes. And it is... Um, where do I want to use here? Um, it's appalling to me that Disney would do that when so many of their popular, successful, beloved films are adaptations of public domain stories. Yeah. Right? Like, like you took this thing that was freely available, you know, put your own spin on it, made a, made a you know, beloved movie, beautiful animation, and all that stuff, and then lobbied the you know the u.s government to to you know make the copyright laws so draconian like you know i think copyright is important for somebody to yeah, yeah. somebody who puts effort in the thing to to earn their um reward for it but it's it's excessive at this point um, right and you know stifles creativity whatever sure go but just like just on the on the description of my understanding of what happened um seems seems fairly ridiculous i mean the i don't know world of warcraft is a whole different thing because all there's all this story and and narrative and i mean with a game like pokemon it's pretty arcadey i think like there's maybe a sort of story. I don't know. I haven't I haven't played very many of the games and even those not for very long because yeah. they're so grindy. But it's like you're a kid and you're gonna know the thing and you wanna be the best that I ever was. Best no one ever was, whatever that song. Um yeah. where Warcraft is 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 a lot of story, right? There's all this story in it, but the the game that keeps people coming back after all these years is this sort of satisfying loop of go and do this this thing and get an incremental reward and and all of that stuff and there's some you know secret sauce or whatever to the way Blizzard did it for so long I don't know if that's still the case because they've changed a lot in the last couple of years um, that you know again kept people coming back and kept those numbers ridiculously high because they struck this perfect balance that doesn't seem like anybody else can can replicate a couple have gotten close final fantasy 14 um miko yeah. wars 2 um i i think final fantasy 14 is a, a really good example uh and maybe world of warcraft probably wasn't because world of warcraft's not i knew that was a beloved franchise for you it's bad because they actually do innovate and change and, and, and modify something right. like final fantasy 14 is a better example 
It's that there's never been a game, a Final Fantasy game, where you can walk around in an open world and so freely explore and have multiple players at once um, and have that thing in a Final Fantasy world with chocobos and all of the, you know, materia and Mm -hmm. summons and things like that, uh, that are core Final Fantasy. And if someone had come out and made a Final Fantasy game that was an MMO, but not called it Final, called it Last Fantasy, you know, Mm. and then not Chocobos, but Cocobos or something like that kind of thing. And then made them birds, but not yellow, you know, like that kind of thing. And then now you can say like, oh my God, I've always wanted to play Final Fantasy in an online environment that's not so restricted and not so you know, 8 million cinema scenes forever and just this great, gigantic, um, epic Japanese story that you have to just watch instead of play, which is Final Fantasy has become. Instead, they actually come out and make an MMO with that world. I think that's pretty cool. Obviously, they can't do it because of copyright, but that's what PAL World's kind of doing, right? Yeah, I think think the key... And who knows? I know, I know there are things where you can't legally take, like, um, the the example I remember hearing back in high school or maybe college was a company called LaCroque that okay. made made parodies of, of LaCroix shirts. La- LaCroix? LaCrosse? Maybe LaCrosse. It's a, La- it's a shirt yeah. with a little alligator on it. Yeah, know, LaCrosse. It's a, it's a, yeah. LaCrosse. Um LaCroix is the seltzer. Correct, yeah. Um, But they made shirts just like those with the alligator upside down, like like it's dead. Right. LaCroix. And the courts... uh, um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Whatever. Uh, Charged, you know... I don't remember the legal term for this, but the courts sided with lacrosse that they couldn't, you know, because they just took, they changed the name just slightly and used the same logo upside down. There is a, there is a point where it can be too similar to say, no, that's copyright. But the, the, I think the combination of, um, I don't know how different the monsters really are. I've seen memes, but who knows? Um, well, that that's, that's the trick is that, Ninety per- way I read reviews is ninety percent of the game is nothing like Pokemon. Well, that and was going to be my just next the point. characters' like, inspiration, like, right? If if the the characters are only slightly like it, and the idea of like capturing, I mean, <laughs> to connect these two, World of Warcraft has a mini game that is exactly like Pokemon. They're, yeah, there you go, there you go. They're yeah, not yeah. Pokemon. They're little, um, what used to be just vanity pets. I was going to say like real animal because a lot of them are like raccoons and cats and and squirrels and rats and stuff. But there are also like, you know, this one's a tiny lich king and this one's a little robot and this one's, you know, a, a little um, snowman that walks around. Like they're, they are um, models character models that fit in the Warcraft universe, right? They wouldn't put anything like Pikachu in there. Um, But the mechanics are still like you find them, they, you know, they can't surprise you walking through the grass. It's, it's all opt in. Um, But you still fight them in teams. 
and they have types there's like a dozen different types and each type is strong at attacking versus one type and tough defensively against another type based on their type and the and the different types have different types of attacks right yeah. like a like a dragon type doesn't have all dragon attacks it might but if it has um frost breath that's yeah. an ice type attack even though right. it's a dragon type pokemon or um uh, right um, um pet and they just call it pet battles um in that case they've taken none of the um none of the names from pokemon but the game mechanics are almost identical um right it's still turn-based they still do a little animation it's just a lot easier um to play in world of warcraft because there are add-ons that will switch up your team depending on what pet you're fighting and and yeah. stuff like that that you have to just remember all the stuff the, what type is strong against what if you're playing pokemon um but it sounds like and it looks like from the few clips that i've seen that the actual gameplay of pal world is completely different for Correct. i mean maybe you still capture hunt and and capture and, and level up but level up mechanics are not um unique, unique to pokemon to... like correct nearly every game has them now correct um and so i'm inclined to say the combination of an almost completely different game um i mean it looks more the the gameplay looks more like a Fortnite kind of game um maybe because of i'm all, not playing i have to look at the gameplay and see yes, like but m maybe some pvp and stuff and maybe there's not maybe they're just yeah, fighting yeah. I'm, I'm going to probably play it in the next week and I'll, or I'll report but, back. But yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I want to read something anyway. that before I kind of give my thought on it, which I, I think is relevant here. Uh, there's an excerpt from this uh, site. I was give credit here. So before I read it, uh, hackernoon.com um, by a, an author, his, his handle is at player auctions. And he writes this excerpt. It says, even with pal world's massive success, Nintendo shouldn't be threatened. Pokemon remains one of the most profitable and popular gaming franchises ever. The company has all the resources it needs to improve its games further. The release and popularity of Pal World could spur Nintendo to polish further and innovate their series' next installments. Now that's what th that person said. That leads into what I think of this, is that competition is good. I think when you... Own just what you had said about copyright laws and draconian stuff with it is be, is stifling to creativity. It causes people like if you have Mickey, yes, I don't want, I don't need to see Mickey being a murder zombie and go killing things. Fine. <laughs> but being able to take concepts and ideas and make and stretch out. The thing is is that when you see Mickey as a murder zombie, it may get a little bit of of note. I mean, we see things like the Pooh Bear thing when they had the murder thing. Yep. They're yep. not that popular. They still, as you said, to echo what you said, Dennis, it has to be good, right? Right. And when you ha open up, you know, competition like this, Nintendo and can't do things like just keep iterating the same thing over and over again. Disney can't just keep putting out Mickey Mouse for 150 years, which they've done for 100 years now with very little variation and change, just slight kind of stuff. It doesn't cause 
great innovation to happen. It just does very slowly and just slows it down to a crawl, whereas somebody else can come in and just t- totally mix it up and then cause the original IP holder to say, we can't rest on our laurels. We have to take this great idea and do something with it and and innovate and get better. And that I think competition is good. Yes, I think someone should be given credit and Comp- and compensated for their ideas and their creation. They should have time allowed to develop that and make it into a thing. But there's a point when we need to introduce competition to make things better so that we don't have stagnation. Uh, Power World's just one example of that kind of thing. And hopefully it inspires Nintendo to say, all right, we need to step back and use RIP in better in other ways besides just this thing and make more money off of it. That's my thoughts, at least. I think it's... I mean, I don't know the relationship between Game Freak and Nintendo, but it's... Um, Game Freak is the is the Pokemon company. Oh, um, I, I, I just know it's called the Pokemon company. And I know... I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my... my um, I did see, a, you know, the scene when um, um, Hammer, or whatever his name, in um, in Iron Man is yelling at the... Army Hammer, yeah. Um, It's not Army Hammer, it's uh, Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer. uh, Tony Stark built this in a cave, a box of scraps. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, yes, that's not not Justin Hammer, somebody else, but yes. Um, Anyway, that's the the meme somebody did, and it's, um, I don't know, it might be Nintendo talking to Game Freak or or something like that, but they're reacting to Pal World, right? They're like... Yeah. This the studio built this in a cave, a box of scraps. <laughs> exactly. You, you're a big company. You should be able to do this good kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's a, a lot of people are are championing Pal World as like a, a a win for an indie company to take inspiration from something and innovate. Again, I haven't played this, but I'll report back what I think of it in a week <laughs> or two. We'll come um, back next week and you hate it. You yeah, yeah. I, I, well, that that would prove it, the yeah. thing you're saying is like, you, you still have to be a good game, right? right. I, I think it's hitting at 4.9 to 5 on most reviews on Metacritic type stuff. Um, uh, so everybody else just seems to think it's okay. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, look at it. It's on, it's on a, it's in early access or something on uh, Game Pass. I'm not sure how that all works out or if it's released or what, but I'm going to try it there so i could have technical issues we'll see anyway that is that cool um let's see i started watching an anime but i don't know i watched one called delicious in dungeon dennis you should look it up (laughs) that's that's on my list i haven't started it yet um, I finally finished the second it's season. It's goofy I'll, as all get out. I'm just gonna say. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and be quick because we're running a little long. Um, I finished the second season of Spy Family. Have you watched that at all? Oh no, it's still on my list. I've got and it's matter of fact, it's right up in front of me here. It's it's really really good. Um, it's did did I have I told do you know the premise? Did I tell you about it? You had before, but refresh me because it's been at least a year that's been on my list, which is ridiculous. So, so the setting is a fictional sort of, um, it's like a, a little bit like a James Bond version of the cold war. Um, 
not as not 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 as overt even as as the James Bond world but there's there's a war with two sides there's no actual war no actual fighting um that I've that I've seen but there's an east and a west and there I mean it must be cold war because one of the cities they talk about is called Berlin like Berlin with a t at the end um and and there are there are spies and whatever from the east and the west um in this in this universe and there are I want to say this is almost a spoiler, but you get this like in the first episode. So it's whatever. Um, you've got a guy who is an incredible spy. He's the master of disguise, um, a little bit like an Ethan Hunt kind of um, character. Who's just okay. a, just a, like, like James Bond, but master of disguise kind of with it. Um, you've got a woman who's an assassin. Um uh, they call her the Thorn Princess. Just incredibly competent, like, physical, jumping around, stabbing people stuff. Assassin. And a little girl who it, they they would say in Japanese is an esper. Um, she's telepathic. She can read minds. Um, the The series starts with the guy um going on a long-term mission to gather some intel where the only way he can get close to the people that he wants to um get intel from is through family right he has to have he has to have a family like a cover family okay and so he finds this woman and this little girl the little girl's at an orphanage but none of them know who the others are. It's been too long since I saw the first episode. I don't remember what he tells her. Um, what the guy tells tells the, the woman. Um, but they make a sort of found family. Like, literally. Nice, yeah. Um, but at no point... I mean... Except for the girl, Anya, she knows that her, you know, she calls him mama and papa. She knows that he is a spy and that her mom is an assassin because she can read their thoughts. But she she doesn't ever want to tell people that she can read minds because she likes living with the family and doesn't want to go back to the orphanage. Um, and so there's all this stuff where she'll hear one of their thoughts and, and completely misinterpret it because she's like six or something. Right. So like yeah. she has all this information, but you know, is, is just a little girl. So she doesn't understand. So she'll maybe try to help, but it'll make things worse. And th there's all this interplay between what the adults say and what they think. Um, and they're both the adults are both like kind of uh, you know they're on the mission with their double life and anyway that's the that's the premise um and it's just very um sweet and 
heartwarming and funny. Nice. And there's season two right now? There are two seasons, yeah. It's, uh, I think there were maybe 20 or so episodes in each season, but season two finished not that long ago. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely have to ch- check that out. I remember you had, that, that sounds interesting, and you had mentioned it before, because uh, it's on my list. My, my other things on my list that you have is Joe Para. I'm not sure what that is, but you would recommend it. All Creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. and what was another one that you had for me? Is it trying? You actually, you, you told me about the new all creatures. Um, that, that show is great. It's like the ultimate cozy series, just like sweet, genuine, good people. Oh, it's all we, creatures we, great and small. Right. Yeah. 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 We talked about that at length after I watched the new when I started the new series and it's gone, it's like three or four seasons now. It's fantastic. I like that. Cool, man. Uh, All right. We, we did it. We did good. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch, I'm, I'm into a lot of, uh, silly adult cartoons. I hate saying adult cartoons, but like mature cartoons, not like adult cinema, but you know, uh, things like, uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, that's Rick Morty, I mean, in so, so much of that stuff this last year, uh, crack, adult crack swim kind of stuff. Yeah, Crackopolis is one I just finished recently, and I, I really, really, really mm-hmm. liked that one. Took 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 like two or three episodes to grow on me. Then I, I really, really liked it. And it's it's only like one season, and it's done. I feel like oh, a lot of these things I've watched like Archer and Rick and Morty and uh, Futurama and Family Guy. I've gone back, and they've twenty years in the making, and I have so much material I can watch them at my leisure. But new ones, I feel like, oh, there's only eight episodes and they're done already and they're only 30 minutes. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's a new new experience for me. So um, I'm always looking for something new. If anybody has to uh, suggestions to write in for those kind of uh, shows, uh, please let me know so I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to watch. There's a bunch that seems to sh- pop up and I'll watch them and they're really bad. Um, but mm. I, I guess it kind of, I won't say started, but it really came to popularity with The Simpsons. And then that's just, it grew through Adult Swim and a lot of other stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm just now really getting into the to the genre. I don't I don't think there was a lot of animation for adults before The Simpsons. There yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, maybe a right. handful, but like, you know, the MTV stuff. Yeah, exactly. Beavis and Butthead and, and those kind of stuff inspired. Yeah. Or they all kind of came around at the same time. Right. All right, so uh, next week we've got Mystery Men. Yes, cool. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 336. Almost said 66, not yet. Uh, thanks, as always, to our friends at LRM Online. Um, you can check them out. Our buddy Fox does reviews on things. He linked me a recent review, uh, The Book of Clarence. That seems like a weird movie. I've not <laughs> seen it. Um, what else? If you would like to email us everything we're wrong about Disney, Blizzard, Nintendo, and copyright law, you can do that <laughs> via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. On our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms to reach out to us and show notes where relevant. I'm going to start putting IMDb links to the stuff we talk about so you can find it all in one place. Um, if you enjoy the front porch, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, 
We just appreciate that and helps out a lot with those weird, elusive algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.